Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, June 9th, 9th, 2016. And today we are reading from the AA Big Book and we will begin reading on page 68, the second paragraph where it says, perhaps there is a better way. We will read through two paragraphs ending with, at once we commence to outgrow fear. The first paragraph is for context only. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Amanda R., 12 traditions, Lisa B., and our readers of the text will be Rachel Rachel W., Elaine B., and Rachel N.M. The reference number for Wednesday, June 8th, is 8810. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Amanda R. to read the 12 steps. Amanda? Good morning. This is Amanda R. I am a recovered compulsive eater in Maine. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, I pass. Thank you, Amanda R., and I will now ask Lisa B. to read the 12 traditions for us. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Lisa B., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon only unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity of service, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask, that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing with the directions, what the directions of the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the AA big book on page 68, the second paragraph where it says, perhaps there is a better way and we will read through two paragraphs ending with, at once we commenced to outgrow fear. The first paragraph is just for context. I will now ask Rachel W. to begin reading. Rachel? 
Good morning, Sally. Good morning, everyone. This is Rachel W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, calling from New York. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so. For we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust God, infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns, just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him. Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once, we commence to outgrow fear. So um, this is Rachel W., Recover Compulsive Overeater, calling from New York. And um, just about this, the paragraph um, saying we, we ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. So this is one of the great promises in the big book and, and, and that are spread throughout the big book. And this is one of the great blessings that I've had is, is this sentence. You know, is, is to, to really to really understand what does it mean to go to ask God to remove this fear and then and then become something else. You know, move from fear to faith. And um, my sponsor gave me um, a sheet. I actually have this sheet, and anyone interested could email me for it. But um, it's a character defects and opposites turnarounds, and it's a it's a basically you know when I'm when I'm living in a defect, I have this sheet in my car. I have it you know in other places too. And when I'm in the defect, um, what I do is I look at the sheet and I can find the opposite of that defect. So, so it's not about what he would have me feel or what he would have me think. It's what would ha- he would have me be. And this, this really also reminds me of the, that this is an action. Remember step three when we said we're willing to give our li- will and our lives over? Well, this is it. You know, this is the work. This is the action that it's, 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 it means. It's, it was talking about in step three when I became willing to turn my life over. This is the work it, it meant. And, and um, I, I was thinking as well as, you know, recently my, my son, he needed his uh, guitar string uh, fixed if it was broken and I kept telling him oh, I'm going to fix that for you don't oh yeah I got to go fix that and I kept telling him telling him a few weeks that went by and I, I hadn't done it yet and um I was thinking about it and I said instead of saying sorry I should just be sorry like just live in the opposite and the next morning after I had that thought I went to the guitar string and I got a new string you know and it's it's not about intentions like that's oh, those are very nice you know but it really is about where where do I land you know so much of the fourth step is, is about, you know, assessing, you know, what I've done, who I am, you know, these defects I'm living in. And, and, but it's also about knowing where I'm going to end up. So for me, the fourth step wasn't about only about sitting in the defect, but also about understanding what the opposite was so I could actually see my goal and work my way through so that when I came through the action steps, I found an entirely new way of living that has completely changed my life. So Thank you for allowing me to share, and um, thank you for this meeting. I'm so grateful. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. And who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Bella. Can I share? Reva. Carolyn S.H. Carolyn S.H. Sarah W. Sarah W. Vasa O. Vasa O. Anyone else? 
Monica. Monica, good morning. Anyone else? Okay, we've got Stella, then Renata, then Reba P, Carolyn S.H., Sarah W., Vasa O., and Monica. Let's start with Stella, and Renata, you'll be up next. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I'm and I am a thankful recover compulsive overeater. Thank you, Sally, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. Yes, you know, before the program, I had God in my life, but I really wasn't connected to him. I was in competition. I was jealous. I was blaming and judging, blaming myself and judging myself, blaming others and judging others. I thought that it's my strength, but, you know, I was in a war. Thank you, God, I am not there anymore. And today, by leaving the 12 steps every day, one day at a time, I am connected to God. And today, my, connect- my connection just showed me to accept myself as a human, and yes, I am not perfect, I will never be perfect, nobody is perfect, and even though I have responsibilities, yes, I have responsibilities towards myself, I have responsibilities towards others, I have responsibilities towards God, and, you know, by having responsibilities, by feeling that people Trust me, and I trust myself, this is my strength. And yes, today I can accept myself, and my strength is to be able to say, well, I am powerless. I am powerless. I don't know everything. I am willing to learn, to learn from everybody, and this is my strength. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Okay, thank you, Bella. And Renata, you're up. Reba P., you'll be up next. Thank you, Sally, for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Vein in New York. So grateful for this program and this step work. And, you know, this uh, part of the work is my favorite, the fear inventory. Um, When I started going through the process, I didn't even realize how many fears I had. And uh, in my first time working the steps, I had over 60. And uh, what I really like about this uh, part of the work is that that's when I really started hearing from my higher power. You know, when I said this prayer, you know, asking God to remove my fear and direct me to what, what he would have me be. And I started to get directions, you know, the directions I've been always looking for. And, um, you know, I started to experience something else other than my own self-will that had always failed me. And so, you know, and it says here that all men of faith have courage. The faith means courage. And, you know, again, for me, this idea of powerlessness on my own, I don't have the courage. It requires to, you know, live life to get out of bed in the morning you know, that's how my life was before. I would, uh, 
you know, eat compulsively constantly because that would numb me out and help me do a little bit, you know, but the torture and the misery and the consequences that came with it were unbearable. And so I had to to find a better way, and this was the better way. And, you know, when I, when I worked the steps and I asked God to remove my fear and direct my attention, then, you know, I'm allowing a higher power to really show me a better way to take actions towards, you know, uh, living life to the fullest without having to numb myself out in the food. Um, I forgot. I wanted to say something else about this. Um, oh, and in the beginning, you know, for me, it was, it, it didn't even have to be having trust, you know, in God, but I had to trust this process. You know, I had to trust that whatever worked for some people on this line would work for me too. And so I just had faith in the process that I would get recovered too. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata. Reva P., it's your turn. And Carolyn S.H., you'll be up next. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I wanted to share on uh, two points in this paragraph. Um, I'm doing something challenging for work today and tomorrow, and it's bringing up lots of fear. So I can't count how many times I've said this fear prayer in the past couple of weeks. And the two things that strike me is that I ask God to remove my fear, but I often expect that when I ask, I get immediate results. So I'm going to ask God to remove my fear and I'm going to feel totally at peace and in nirvana and just sail through whatever it is I'm afraid of. And that's not true. That's not what it says. It says I ask. And it's not until step seven that we say amen and I really humbly um, give over all of my um, defects to God. And even then, I don't control at what time, in what way, and how God removes the defect that's blocking me. But then I ask what he would have me be. And I'm very good at doing. And I often ask, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Even in step work, I'll do this, I'll do that, and then I'll feel more peaceful. And it says what he would have me be. So what is the person that God would have me be? To be still, to be trusting to trust that in God's time and God's way, this fear is going to be removed. And that's God's responsibility. That's God's job. It's not mine. I don't make myself unresentful or unfearful. But my responsibility and the actions that I need to take is to be the person and emulate the qualities that God wants me to be. So if God says, you know, trust, be patient, be tolerant, be loving in the meantime till this defect is removed. That's what I have to do. That's my responsibility. Um, And um, it is so comforting to know I don't have to undo the defects. That's not what the program says, but I trust um, that they will be removed through this process by doing the work till I get to the end of the whole inventory process. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Carolyn S.H., And then, Sarah W., you'll be up next. 
Yes, good morning, everyone. Carolyn S.H. from Massachusetts, uh, grateful, recovered, uh, compulsive eater. And um, what I want to focus on this morning, instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention. Um, What really strikes me about this is that it's God, it's my higher power who's doing the doing, and I'm doing the being, um, and uh, which comes back, goes back to the previous paragraph about humbly relying on him. And when I'm able to do that in the moment, when I'm having fear, and I do use this fear, like I've heard others say, um, all throughout the day, um, when I'm able to do that, this experience of commencing to outgrow fear like was previously shared it's a gradual thing growing is not an immediate thing Um, things grow at a very gradual pace Uh, and to me the growth is towards um, what we become through the entire inventory process which um, someone has said is steps four through nine it's that is the entire process Then once we get to step 10 on page 86, or I'm sorry, 11 on page 86, um, we ask God to direct our thinking once we're through this whole process. So God is always directing our attention, directing, well, I speak for myself, directing my attention, directing my thinking. Um, And then I know what to do. Then it's in really beautiful moments. Oh, I forgot to start my timer. All right, I'll go another minute uh, or less. Um, I can feel that I'm not the one making the doing decision, that uh, inspiration actually comes very, very clearly, um, and it feels like God is doing through me. And then I know that I've I've truly asked God, and I'm truly relying on him. Um, And that's all I'll say for this morning. Thanks. With that, I pass. Thank you, Carolyn S.H. And Sarah W., it's your turn. Vasa, you'll be up next. Good morning, Sally. This is Sarah W., very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, The whole paragraph is so, um, it's fantastic that we're here right right now today for me. Um, I'm so grateful to be um, on the line and to hear you all this morning. Um, I think it's, for me, it really, um, I have to bring my decision that I made in the third step Uh, with me uh, into this paragraph. My decision was that I would turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. And for me, that really means, um, as the beautiful third step prayer says, you know, that I will offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou will. Relieve me of the bondage of self so that I may better do thy will. Take away my victories Take away my difficulties so that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And um, that's my commitment in the whole program. That's the whole thing. And all these other things bring that together. And I think for me, um, uh, the beautiful promise at the end of this and I would like to say the fear prayer right now is that I ask God, you know, dear God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. And the promise is 
that I will outgrow fear, but that doesn't mean that I will get my way. And that is what I feel this morning. And um, I love that it talks also about the idea that I can have my faith and I can feel my connection with my higher power and that I don't need to apologize to anybody about it. And really, for me, I feel myself to be a wounded healer. That, that it's through the wounds that I have in my life that God comes in. And that's when I need God. And there's so much humility in all this, too. So um, today, when I go in to find out the results of my uh, lymph node biopsy, I will take all of you with me. And most importantly, I will take my beautiful, loving, caring, higher power. And know that all will be well, whatever way things go. And God bless you all. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. Vasa, oh, it's your turn. And Monica, you'll be up next. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Sally, for your service. And I'm grateful, recovered, compulsive uh, overeater calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And uh, I just love the way the steps are laid out, you know, one step at a time. And um, I um, I had lots of fears before I came to OA and working through the process. You know, my goodness, step four, I was full of fears. I mean, hundreds of fears that I could list down. And, um, like, for example, the fear of dying, fear of cancer, fear of my husband leaving me for another woman, fear of my kids dying. Um, it was horrible fears, you know and worries and anxieties. And again, I thank God that I was, I, you know, God brought me into over It Is Anonymous and to this big book and showed me how I can get rid of this stuff one day at a time. It started with the food first, you know, and uh, once I surrendered to God with the food and put the food in God's hands, and I was detoxing from my alcoholic foods and working the steps the way they're laid out, you know, and things were just getting better. I'm not saying emotionally it was a mess, but the food was in place, and physically I was feeling really good, but emotionally uh, I was a mess, you know, and thank you, God, that, you know, I could do with a big book step study sponsor or my counselor, my inventory or my uh, step four. And all the stuff was coming out, and I thank God I didn't keep on going back into the food for comfort to cover up those feelings. And then gradually, you know, I'm going through the fears, and they were being gradually removed one fear at a time. And if, it doesn't mean that I'm not afraid, but I know what I need to do today if a fear crops back again. So for me, God is in charge, and I really, once I uh, had the spiritual experience, I, was, I felt embarrassed to talk about my spirituality. It says, we never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator, and that has been a process for me, you know, to start talking what God is doing for me or what God has done for me that I couldn't do for myself because I thought people were going to laugh at me. Well, I would have laughed at people. You know, if somebody came to me, I was not 
you know, like I didn't come to my higher power and I was born again or transformed again to the person that I am today, I would have laughed at them. I wouldn't have believed because I didn't have that experience. But now since I've had, I'll wrap it up. Since I've had that experience, God has given me the courage and the faith. I can talk about God. Again, I don't push it. I don't shove it, but I'm not embarrassed to talk about it every once in a while. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Oh, and Monica, it's your turn. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater here in Florida. So here we are in a chapter, How It Works, and on this page, they're giving us the instructions of how we do our fear inventory. And I would like to just do a little quick review of what we've been reading in these three paragraphs on the on this page. So we reviewed our fears thoroughly. I'm up on, pa- on paragraph one. And I said the other day, where do we find this? When you do your turnarounds, one of the questions you ask yourself is, what were you frightened of? There's your list for the fears. We put them on paper. You're going to write these down. We asked ourselves why we had them. Where does this fear come from? Where did this originate? Uh, like for me, you know, fear of, of looking stupid was a big one for me because I heard in my childhood, you don't ask stupid questions. So that's what I put there, short, sweet, and simple. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed me? So the next thing I was to write was, what did, how did I try to cope with this fear? What were my coping techniques? How did that work for you, Monica? You know, a lot of my coping techniques was eating. You know, how'd that work for me? Not very good. So that was the second thing I wrote. And then the third thing I was asked, for we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God, unlimited God, rather than our finite selves. You know, my way did not work. So if I have this fear today of looking stupid, what would be different? What would I think differently? Well, you know what? God doesn't make junk. You know what, Monica? You are an intelligent woman. That's what I wrote there. And then this paragraph that we just read, all men of faith have courage. We let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. And again, it's not what we would do, but be. So then this last part of my fear inventory, I was told, write out the prayer. God, I come to you with a fear of looking stupid because I've relied on my finite self to provide me with self-worth. I now come to you trusting, relying upon your infinite love to heal me. Please remove my fear of looking stupid and direct my attention to what you would have me be. And then I was told to pause and listen and write down what God gave me for instructions of what he wanted me to be. Okay? Um, Patient, loving, trusting. You know, our our 12-step principles courage, willingness, humility, love, perseverance, awareness, service. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but on page 84, we're given a little further instructions on what to do when we have fears. You know, turn your thoughts to how you can be a help to somebody else. So when I have a fear today, I will ask God to remove it immediately. I will think about these things, and I will pray for somebody else. And when I'm praying for somebody else, it gets me out of that fear. I can't be in two places at the same time. And I do this over and over again if that's what I need. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. And now I'm going to ask Elaine B. to begin reading on page 68. 
um, the last paragraph, which says, now about sex. Two paragraphs, please. Ending with, we got this all down on paper and looked at it. Elaine B., you are the big book lottery winner for this part of the fourth step inventory. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sally A. Now about sex. Many Many of us needed an overhaul in there. Above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off the track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. Then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of this race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or that it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare, and the other would have us all on a striped pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. We all have sex problems. We hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? We reviewed our own conduct over the past years. Where have we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom have we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault, and what should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. Well, here we are again. We're right here in the four-step inventory, and I really so appreciate how they broke down three different um, forms of inventory because, um, let's see, hang on, so I'm just setting my time here. Because they really need to be looked at differently. It's a different set of questions. And ultimately, again, we're looking at our part. What can we do? How can we be adjusted? We've rehearsed and replayed what they did, what they think, what they want, how wrong they are, <laughs> you know, what a violation they were. In, in this area, at least I'm saying we, this is my experience, but I uh, have found it a very common experience. I so appreciate a couple of things about this, that we would hardly be human if we didn't have sex problems. And, you know, that doesn't just align with climbing in bed or the back seat. This could align with dealing with a boss that's a gender that we have a challenge with, um, the things that we've learned from our parents how we use our sexual wiles to maybe get a discount when we buy a car, maybe to get somebody to do a project for us or um, whatever it is. We really need to look at how are we using that? How are we um, out of alignment? Just in the previous reading, we talked about our creator. And this is a way that we can align up and become the very person that we were created to be to function properly. And there are so many things in this world that can throw us off track, excuse me, as we've learned, uh, if we don't deal with them properly. properly, They they will kill us, you know. This wilderness people really have hurt us. They really have dominated us. And this is an area that can be so challenging to talk about, so challenging to look at. In fact, many of us have had traumas. 
um, in our lives. And one thing that I felt was very, very helpful was that we don't have to relive the details of what they did. Even in our fifth step, we don't have to make it clear that they took me there and did this and whatever. We can just say that night because God knows your sponsor or the person you commit your fifth step to is a witness. This is not about reliving and retelling what we did. It's about looking at these important questions that I know we'll unpack more in the rest of this meeting. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? We put, again, out of our minds what they did, and we look at our part because that's all we could change. We look at things like arousing jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness. What were our motives? What were our intentions? Did um, did we hurt somebody? How did we harm somebody? And here, we we look at did we hurt? Who did we hurt? <laughs> and um, and what should we have done instead? This is a way we begin to look at uh, what's another perspective. Remember, we're looking for an entirely different outlook on life, a change of perspective. And these questions will help us do that and get in alignment with what we were created to be. And thank you for the opportunity to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Elaine B. And who else would like to share on these paragraphs? Larry. Larry. What's that? Chrissy? Oh, Chrissy. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. No worries. Crickets. <laughs> I know. Here we are. Silence is golden. Larry, go ahead. And Chrissy, you come up the rear and maybe I'll jump in here too. Go ahead, Larry. Sex. Well, okay. Um, this is Larry <laughs> K., <laughs> recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, well, count me among the human race here. Um, you know, it talks about the fact that we, you know, we all have sexual problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. And, um, and, and I'm, I'm among the human race. Um, I definitely have had my issues with that. So, you know, here's the, th- the thing that I would tell you based on my experience is don't give this short shrift as I, as I tried to do. You know, I'm still a work in progress in this area. And, um, you know, I, I can't be the judge of anyone's sex conduct. You know, I like the fact that, that I'm reminded that, you know, that I'm part of the human race here. Here's the thing. By examining my sex conduct, I had an opportunity to really see how I had used this instinctual drive uh, in much the way I, I use the, the drive to eat, to, but I use it to cause harm towards others. And, and here's an example. Uh, I can just pick one. So I, I recognize that at an early age, see, all I wanted you to know is that I was abused as a child, you know, because then you would say, oh, okay, well, now I see why you're a mess in this area. That's as far as I got. But see, I, I recognize that I was really scared of emotional and physical intimacy at an early age. And and into my teenage years, and I would avoid it at all costs because it created unbearable anxiety for me. Yet, you know, by the time I was a young adult, I realized also that some women, you know, some, a couple, were attracted to my physical packaging. See, I could use that. And while I didn't want to get too close to anyone, I did like the illusory power I seemed to have over the opposite sex on occasion. And did did I use this power for selfish purposes? Absolutely, I did. And did I create drama and mayhem and cause harm to others? Indeed, I did. So I began to face this reality that I authored in step four. It was the first opportunity. And a recovered sponsor will take you through that process. And hopefully, they'll have the humility to be able to tell you and be open with you. 
See, and God's light began to infiltrate my soul at this point. And remember, the principle behind step four is courage. We're on this archaeological dig. If I can have the courage to face the truth in step four, where I caused harm with that sexual instinct, perhaps I can have the integrity to share this with an understanding person or maybe 300 understanding people maybe on the line right now. Can you see how that may change me? Can you see the freedom that has come as a result of that? I can share this with you and say, I'm still a work in progress. I still have <laughs> problems with intimacy, uh, but I'm a work in progress, and I can speak about it openly and honestly, and, and, and uh, if I can do it and move through this process, so can you. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry. And Chrissy, Chrissy G. <clears throat> yeah, hi, Chrissy G., Recovered Compulsive Reader and Anorexic from New Jersey. Thank you, Kelly. I, I, the, my sex relations, how I viewed men in the world. I, what is that? <laughs> Something scrambling out there. I, um, the way I viewed men, that's how I saw, how I viewed the sexes. That's the way I was taught to look deeper into this inventory. And I, I viewed men as, as objects. I'm embarrassed to admit that's what kept coming up in my inventory that it was all about what they could provide for me when I was with different different men. Sure, I was going to put put it on a, a like a barter system, a give and take with my husband. You know, I was going to be the nurturer, um, the, the mother to his children, and he was going to have to make me financially secure and not have to ever worry about finances again. That was like, that was the agreement. And I, I, have come to learn that life on that on that very superficial level that doesn't work. I mean, it's good in theory, but he's a he's a child of God. He's a spiritual being having a human experience just like I am, and it's not so simple as okay, you do your part and I'll do mine. For me, it's really about changing my perception of other people in general and and men in particular in this in this inventory changing my outlook from one that is very material and superficial and one that is more spiritual they are children of god too you know it doesn't matter what their outer covering is you know what what sex they are i can still treat them in a certain way and it's you know it's it's sort of like acceptable in um in polite society to to dog men if you're with a bunch of women and to dog women when you're with a bunch of men and really you know are for me my my growth and my healing needs to be in seeing us the same and seeing us connected and that in the that was the beginning of my journey of healing when I came in to assault the program and realize, regardless of the, the station, the sex, the um, socioeconomic situation of a person, I identified with their feelings. We were the same. I was the same as that guy from the Salvation Army that was living in a homeless shelter, um, talking about his feelings about his alcoholism the first time when I was 21 years old. A girl who never to want for anything in her life, and and um, 
I identified with the inside. So that, just to wrap up, that's, that's how I see this inventory, a process of seeing once again that we're all the same. Thank you. Thank you, Chrissy. Chrissy G. This is Sally A. Recovered in South Jersey. I'm just going to uh, dive in here for just a moment and um, bring a couple of thoughts of mine to this uh, par- these paragraphs. And first thing I want to say is that I, I find it amazing that they made a decision that they were going to have the four-step inventory be on the subject of resentments, stuff that's going on in your head um, about the past, and then they go into the future, all of your fear of what could be, what would be, what might have been already. Um, so you've got all also what's going on in your head because all action is born in thought. And so you've got resentment from the past. You've got fear of the future. And then they go into a sex inventory. And so I find it interesting that they don't have a sister inventory or a family inventory because just, you know, just for family, you know, just for parents, just for sisters, just for your your immediate family inventory. But no, they don't do that. They instead have us focus in on this very intimate, the intimate relationships that we've had. And remember that the whole point of the four-step inventory is that we're going to stop housing in our brain the things that we torture ourselves with. One very wise sponsor once said to me, Sally, it's what, it's what I did, not who I am. Start thinking like that. This is what you did. It's not who you are. And so with that, it does give that beautiful principle of courage. It gives me courage to say, hey, look, this is what I did. It's not who I am anymore. This is not who I am. And so when we look at this page on page 69 and it says, that no one wants to be, we do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. That word arbiter, I had to look it up in the dictionary. It means the judge or the one who settles disputes. Because the truth is they're talking about, you know, the, the salt and pepper diet versus the guy who um, thinks that it's just, you know, that it's just all too much. You've got Freud at that time, remember that, Freud was around, and he's talking about the ego, the id, and the superego, and he's saying that um, there's nothing wrong with sex. There's nothing wrong with sex with anything, and there's this very liberal left, left-wing left kind of perspective, and then you've got that right-wing perspective. But the truth of the matter is it's really all subjective, and what matters is what's going on in your head, what you are housing in your head, and keeping in mind that it's not who you are. It's just what you did. You need to get it out of your head. Thanks for letting me share that. And would anyone else like to share on these paragraphs? We have a few more minutes. Katie G. from Boston. Hi, this is Rhonda, and I'm willing to share. Katie G. This is Marie B., and I would like to share. And Rhonda, and I think that's probably all we're going to have time for. Marie B. Marie B., gotcha. Okay, KDG, then Rhonda, and hopefully Marie will get to you. Awesome, Sally. Can I be heard? You can. Awesome. Let me start my timer. KDG recovered compulsive over a year, anorexic and bulimic. So first thing I was taught is that um, this is not about necessarily like 
all sex. This isn't about like opening some dirty magazine, watching a dirty movie, blah, blah, blah. What this is is in terms of our inventory. What this is is it's just another place to look at the manifestation of my primary character defect, which is self, right? So um, I have to tell you, if you're afraid, um, when I first did this inventory eight years ago, I came to it with multiple affairs. I came to it with histories of incest. I came to it with histories of, um, wait, cheating, lying, manipulating, using people like Kleenexes, you name your deepest, darkest sex conduct that you don't want to tell anyone, and I've done it, or I've heard about it. That's just who I was coming to, and it's, it's who I was bringing to the table. And it's not because I was a bad person. It's because I have a disease of more, and I wanted people to fill up that God-shaped void. And so what I'm here to tell you, sorry for the car noise, is... Not only did I look through it, the second conduct, and it was confusing because I couldn't even name accurately all the people that were on that list because I didn't remember. It was like going back and naming all the foods I ate, right? Like, I don't remember. I don't remember. Now, I couldn't itemize that for you but I, in terms of the specific names, but I could describe it, right? And so I'm here to tell you, after I did that sex conduct, because that was my worst part, when I told my sponsor that, and she said, welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, like, holy, holy amazingness, I settled into my skin for the first time, and I can tell you, I've continued to do this sex conduct inventory, and continue to see where I continue to want to use people like Kleenexes, um, and I am in a recovered state of mind and body, and I do a 10-step, and I don't, right? Like, thank God. And I don't want to eat today. <laughs> and it's it's the freedom that I get by looking a woman in the eye and saying, yo, this is what I did, and I was so hurt. And her not blinking and taking a gun to my head and saying, wow, Katie, dear, you shouldn't be on this planet. So, guys, this is freedom. It is oh, this is the good drugs, right? This is what I always want to feel. And um, and I'm just going to keep showing up, messy, recovered, showing up one day at a time, walking shoulder to shoulder. Thank God. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And Rhonda, you're up. Hi, my name is Rhonda, and I'm a newcomer. I have been very much enjoying listening to the Bit Book meeting every morning and appreciate this opportunity to share. It's my first time to share and I have not yet read this step or done this inventory, but I can't help but comment on the fact I have never really thought about the relationship between sex and food. And in the past, one of the things I would try to use in restricting food would be sex because in some ways that would let me check out and get that same escape. But um, then the flip side is true too. When I'm in the food, I find I am just not enjoying the sexual relationship with my husband as I do when it's not there. It's almost like the food is a replacement or a better high or a better feeling than sex. And so thank you all for the wonderful shares and for the transparency and honesty. And this is one of the things that is directing me to 
believe that OA is going to be a lasting solution for me and my issues with food because it's getting to some things I have never thought about before. And so thank you. That's what I have. Um, and I pass. Thank you, Rhonda. Thank you for sharing this morning and keep coming back. And Marie, your turn. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you for your service and thank you for all the shares. This is Marie V, a recovered compulsive eater in Southern California. Uh, am I being heard? You are. Good. Thank you. Um, I grew up uh, under a domineering father that uh, physically abused me. Till the age of 22, I received a lot of corporal punishment, and uh, I suffered. Uh, sexual abuse by an uncle. Subsequently, I grew up fearing men a lot. And uh, I stayed uh, away from sex. I thought sex was a filthy thing. Uh, and I had a lot of trouble with intimacy. I didn't want people getting close to me. I think uh, a lot of my fear of intimacy had to do with that, and certainly with my fear of men. And uh, I stayed uh, virginal because uh, not for the sake of chastity, but because of my fear. And I believe that a lot of my overeating and staying, getting obese and staying obese had to do with a sort of protection, you know, and didn't want to have anything to do with me. As I got into the program of action and I started to change, I began to want intimacy, you know, and I began to want to get close to people and I began to trust. And uh, marriage was very hard for me at the beginning, sexually. Uh, I refused sex all the time, not to punish my husband, not anything like that. It's because I detested having sex, you know, it was something ugly to me. And time and his patience took care of that. The program certainly has had something to do with it. This program works no matter what your problem is, you know. It starts with putting down the food, absolutely, but it takes care of everything else. It took care of it for me, took time, it took trust in God. It took the steps, taking them in order, taking them just as they're outlined in the big book. But it has taken care of everything for me. You know, a day at a time, keep plugging away, and before I knew it, things started to change. Today I trust. Today I love. I have some, a lot of love for some of the men in the program, a love that is beyond all understanding because we suffer of the same disease and we're all striving for the same goal, recovery. We understand each other, you know. I love this program. A vision for you is one of the greatest things that has happened to me. I thank you all for giving me support that I need. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Marie B., and thank you to everyone who has shared. I would like to invite you to please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. We will now close 
with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I will ask Rachel N.M. to read for us a vision for you, beginning with our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, everyone. This is Rachel N.M. I'm thankfully recovered today. Thanks, everyone, for the good meeting. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.